Welcome to a New Testament journey. We'll have our Bible reading followed by our devotional. Mark chapter 3. Another time Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus. So they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Jesus said to the man with a shriveled hand, Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked him, Which is lawful on the Sabbath, to do good or to do evil, to save a life or to kill? But they remained silent. He looked around at them in anger, deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, said to the man, Stretch out your hand. He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. Jesus withdrew with his disciples to the lake, and a large crowd from Galilee followed. When they heard all he was doing, many people came to him from Judea, Jerusalem, Udmir, and regions across the Jordan, and around Tyre and Sidon. Because of the crowd, he told his disciples to have a small boat ready for him to keep the people from crowding him. For he had healed many, so those with diseases were pushing forward to touch him. Whenever the impure spirits saw him, they fell down and cried, You are the Son of God. He gave them strict orders not to tell others about him. Jesus went up on a mountainside and called to him those he wanted, and they came to him. He appointed twelve, that they might be with him, and that they might send out to preach, and to have authority to drive out demons. These are the twelve he appointed, Simon, to whom he gave the name Peter, James, son of Zebedee, and his brother John. To them he gave the name Bonogius, which means the son of thunder. Andrew, Philip, Bartholomew, Matthew, Thomas, James, son of Alphaeus, Thaddeus, Simon, and Zelot, and Judas, who betrayed him. Then Jesus entered the house, and again a crowd gathered, so that he and his disciples were not even able to eat. When his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, and they said, He is out of his mind. And the teachers of law who came down from Jerusalem said, He is possessed by Belzebul, by the prince of demons. He is driving out demons. So Jesus called them over and began to speak to them in parables. How can Satan drive out Satan? If a kingdom is divided against itself, that kingdom cannot stand. If a house is divided against itself, house cannot stand. And if Satan opposes himself and is divided, he cannot stand. His end has come. In fact, no one can enter a strong man's house without first tying him up. Then he can plunder the strong man's house. Truly I tell you, people can be forgiven all their sins and every slander they utter. But whoever blasphemies against the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. They are guilty of eternal sin. He said this because they were saying he is an impure spirit. Then Jesus' mother and brothers arrived, standing outside. They sent someone in to call him. A crowd was sitting around him, and they told him, Your mother and brother are outside looking for you. Who are my mother and my brothers? he asked. Then he looked around at those seated in the circle around them and said, Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and my sister and my mother. 
like trying to fit a post-Christmas stomach into a mid-November pair of trousers, I just can't seem to cram Mark's enormous vision of Jesus into my inherited understanding of faith. Jesus just keeps on popping that button open, if you get what I mean. And of everything that breaks my heart about my faith up to this point, my shrunken vision of Jesus is the thing that hurts the most. In Mark 3, crowds flock to Jesus. Conspirators plot around him. Dozens abandon all just to be with him. And his family think he's gone stark, raving mad. He was big news. He was the divisive, irritating, astonishing big thing. What is the big thing in my faith today? Whether we're recycling the coffee cups, how many people came this week, whether the sermon was any good. Please, God, would we give Jesus his church back? Jesus will embarrass us. He'll make us expose our withered parts in public. Jesus will give us strict orders about some things and he'll make others cry out in exasperation. Jesus will lay claim to things we want him to leave alone and will give highly inappropriate levels of authority to the wrong people. Jesus will expose a spiritual world that we just don't know what to think about and he will ride roughshod over some of our closest affiliations. In short, if we give Jesus his church back, then he will do what he wants without consulting us and it will be totally wonderful and totally baffling all at the same time. But I want that. I so much want that, don't you? Giving Jesus his church back starts with every one of us. Will we simply do what God says he wants? Will we choose not to moan or be insecure or to leave it to others, but simply to do what Jesus wants? Will we choose for our conversations to be about Jesus, our questions to be about Jesus, our obsession to be Jesus? Will Jesus become our big thing, no matter how uncomfortable it gets? Question for reflection. If you're honest, do you think you have a shrunken vision of Jesus? We pray God's word bears fruit in your life. For all the information about the New Testament journey, head to www.anewtestamentjourney.net.